So we're gonna take a look at, at partly what was referred to there in terms of it being finished. Uh, if you were with us on Friday, you will recall that we spent quite a bit of time just reflecting, remembering, and uh, responding to the incredible price that Jesus paid so that we can actually find life and peace and hope. And what I'm wanting to unpack in, in a bit more detail today is, is what that actually means for us, what those implications are for us. So wherever you are, in your journey, and I really do hope that we have a huge diversity of people in terms of uh, where you're at in your journey with God. Um, whether you are exploring and you have a lot of questions and a lot of doubt. Um, by the way, you don't need faith unless there's doubt. So, so don't, don't ever be discouraged that you have questions and that you're doubting and that you're wondering and that you're comparing. Um, so whether you're exploring or whether you've been in a relationship with God for a really, really long time, um, I believe that Easter is just an incredible opportunity for us to, to be reminded of, or maybe for some of us, for the first time, here explained um, what the big deal is. Like, why is it a big deal? I don't know, maybe you were bribed to come here today with chocolate or lunch, or I don't know, brunch, I guess it's still pretty early. Um, so maybe you weren't all that eager to begin with, but, but I'm hoping that wherever you are in your journey, that as you leave here today, that it will be a little bit clearer, a little bit simpler, most importantly, that you'll actually sense the invitation that the death and resurrection actually extends to us. Jesus' death and resurrection. By the way, just side note, this, this isn't a Christian thought. Jesus' life and death, at least. Okay, resurrection is the story. Jesus' life and death, that's never been in question. That's, that is probably, arguably, the most sufficiently uh, confirmed and affirmed fact in history. That's never been the issue. The issue has been about the Sunday. The issue has been about whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. And there've been different theories that have tried to prove whether or not, you know, maybe he didn't actually die. He just, they're called the swoon theory where he passed out and then after being beaten and bloodied and trained executioners couldn't, you know, find a pulse. He came back to life suddenly three days later. Well, not, not, not back to life, like he, he was just, he had fainted. And then he was suddenly Schwarzenegger, you know, and, and as he appeared to his disciples who were desperately discouraged, the, the view of that beaten, bloodied body gave them the hope and the power and the confidence to go and lay their lives down as martyrs. So, so, so think about some of these things, or, or that the disciples had stolen his body. Again, bearing in mind that trained soldiers would have been murdered on the spot if they had allowed Jesus' disciples to take him. Anyway, so, so there are theories. I'm not gonna get into that today. There are theories as to whether or not you know, the claims of Christianity about Jesus being raised from the dead were true or not. I'm not gonna get into the, what we call the apologetics for that. I just want to try and help us understand that there's something that I think that we are all looking for. There is a, there's a longing, there is an aching inside of us that I am convinced can only be satisfied as we actually come to terms with the death and the resurrection of Jesus as we actually understand what that Christian term, well, I don't know if it's just Christian, but, but that term that you might have heard a lot in Christian circles, salvation, for us to actually understand what salvation is. Because I think that for way too many, even of Christians, for way too many of us, we water down what salvation means. And it's, and it's often not less, than, I mean, in fact, I'd say it's never less than what we think it is, but I think that so often it's a great deal more than what it is. Anyway, by means of introduction, I'm gonna play the very beginning of a song in a moment and to help motivate you to, to lean in and choose. I have brought my very, very favorite Easter eggs. Anyone ever had one of these lint, chocolate, like, like, they, like it's, there's nothing empty in it. 
Even as a kid, I felt ripped off when you'd get this like massive Easter egg and then it was like empty on the inside, right? I was like, that sucks. So, so, so come on, anyone ever had these lint, these lint Easter eggs? No? You don't know what you're missing out on. Like you, you bite into one of these and your whole body goes like it's just, oh, it's, it's so bad, but it's so, 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 so good. So I'm just saying, I mean, if you want to bless me, not my future, but my feelings, then, then you can get these for me. Um, anyway, so especially those of you that are kind of in your 30s, 40s, and older, I'm hoping that you'll recognize this. I'm, I'm expecting that someone's going to figure this out within the first second. So I'm going to look out for the very first hand that shoots up. The first hand that shoots up and gets the answer correct in terms of the band and the name of the song, you're going to get six. No, no, no. No staff, no worship team members, okay? No cheating. Uh, you'll, get, you'll get these six densely filled lint Easter eggs. Okay, you all ready? Okay, here we go. Okay, ah, wait, it's my brother, so that's not fair. (laughs) Is that Leon? Okay, Leon? Come on, Leon! Leon! Okay, see, see if you can catch this. Leon's a healthy guy. He sells Herbalife, he can afford to have chocolate, it's okay. Okay, let's just, let's just carry on playing the intro for, for a few more seconds, and tell, tell me if you recognize this. Put your hands up once you start recognizing the intro to the song. Look kids, old people. Okay, 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 okay. okay. So, so for those of you that don't know, this is one of the most popular, best-selling, best-known songs, well, certainly out of the 80s. By the way, this song was recorded 35 years ago. I know, scary, right? 35 35 years ago. Um, Still, still uh, incredibly popular and incredibly well-known by the band U2, a whole bunch that can be said about them. But, but, but what I wanna play for you, because I want you to actually pay attention to some of the words. So as Leon said, the name of the song is Still Haven't Found what I'm looking for. Now, people have made jokes about, you know, the song, yeah, yeah, Bono found what he was looking for 20 years later, it was in the other pocket. Okay, th- that's not actually what, he, what, what the song is referring to. So, so, so what, what, I'm gonna, what I'm gonna play for you now is the version that was sung at the end of the movie, Sing 2. Anyone seen the movie Sing 2? Okay, so we, we took our six-year-old niece as an excuse, but actually I'll go watch it just, just by myself. It, it, is, it is a great movie, and at the end, the characters uh, who are voiced by Scarlett Johansson and Bono, like the actual Bono, uh, land up doing this version of the song. Pay attention quickly and take a look at the words on the screen. I have climbed the highest mountains. I have run through the fields only to be with you. Only to be with you, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But 
Pay attention to these words. powerful are those words hey you broke the bonds loose the chains carried my shame singing about the cross now your first question might be is Bono a Christian I don't know I think there's a lot about his life and a lot about the the words to their songs that would indicate an extreme level of searching and seeking in fact, I loved, I was deeply impacted as I read the, the biography, the authorized biography of Eugene Peterson, um, the late Eugene Peterson, passed away a couple of years ago. He, he translated the Bible into the message paraphrase and, and developed, in, in fact, Bono reached out to him and developed quite a remarkable relationship with him because in Bono's words, he'd never read a version of the Bible that kind of spoke to him in the same way in terms of his language. Um, they made a couple, of, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy story how many years it took Bono to convince Eugene Peterson to actually come meet, because he's like, who's Bono? And anyway, the rest of his family, and it was like, it's Bono. Anyway, um, took a few years, but just, just the beautiful relationship that was developed there, the letters that were written back and forwards. Um, there's actually an interview that the two of them did in one instance. It was the last time that they met together, I think it was around 2015. And later on, Bono said that the only reason that he was willing to actually do this interview, to have it recorded with Eugene and his wife, Jan, Peterson was because he would get an hour before the filming to actually just meet with them alone and to confess his sins. He spoke about the, the, the level of trust, the pastoral relationship. There was something, there was, there was an incredible connection with what I think is one of the most incredible Christian representatives from the last hundred years. Um, this pastoral relationship with someone that was very honest and raw and real about his faith and his doubts. So bearing in mind that he wrote that song, actually, I mean, he's 61, he's gonna be 62 this year, married, married for 40 years, by the way. Um, bearing in mind that he wrote this in his early 20s, or mid-20s, um, he, he spoke at one stage about how it was more, more a song about doubt than what it was about faith. And so I actually wanna encourage you that having to wrestle over the reason for faith doesn't put you into a bad place. If anything, I actually think it might put you into quite a good place. God gives grace to the humble, I believe. That's what scripture says, and, and I believe that. I think that God is, I think his, his ear bends towards the humble, towards the honest, where we don't feel like we have to put up these, these facades and just tick the right boxes and say the right things. So you could have been in church for many, many years, by the way. So this, this isn't just for someone that's walking into church for the first time. You might have grown up in church, you might have been in church for many years, and if you're honest with yourself, you have some very real questions. And I wanna tell you that it's okay. It's okay to wrestle. But I think that how we go about looking for what we're looking for matters. And I'll wrap up with that 
a couple of practical steps in a few moments. But before I, I go further, I want to, again, just in this theme, this idea of us, of the fact that we are all on one level or another, and I think it depends on our level of self-awareness as to whether or not we're even aware that we are seeking, that we are aching, that we are longing for something. I want to put a, a quote up in a moment, but I want to ask you not just to react to it very quickly, because for some of you, you might, it might freak you out at first, but I want you to think about this quote also by the late G.K. Chesterton. He said, any man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. Think about that for a moment. Any man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. Now this, don't, don't worry about the gender or the fact that it's a brothel. We all have different ways of trying to satisfy the cravings, the desires, the aches that we have, not realizing that there's an ache beneath the ache, that there's a longing beneath the longing, that there's a searching beneath. And, and you see, what the world does is we, we either try and, and make us all feel good about however we try and satisfy it, or we try and judge and condemn and shame people. And, and if you've ever been involved in recovery, you know that shame produces very short-lived fruit. No, no, I'm saying let's get a little bit deeper. Let's recognize that there is a deeper longing and aching as we go from relationship to relationship, as we, as we maybe make very unwise, you know, uh, impromptu financial decisions, whether it's the abuse and misuse of, of substances, whether it's, whether it's going from sexual conquest to sexual con conquest, whether it's just simply, you know, binging on series every free moment we have, what, whatever it is, I just want us to realize that sometimes we are trying to medicate or escape from an actual, I think, God-given ache. There's a longing to actually know God and to only find that satisfaction in Him. And that, by the way, is what I believe the word salvation means and what salvation offers and what the death and life and resurrection of Jesus actually offers to us when we talk about being saved. It's not just being saved from something, it's being saved into something. It is actually, as we come into a relationship with God, there is belonging, there is meaning, there is fulfillment, there is love, there is purpose. You are wanted. You don't have to keep aching over being good enough. There is purpose. Our hearts ache for salvation. You just have to look around the world. You just have to look at the news. You just have to look at social media. You just have to look at some of the conflicts that are, that are going on, both verbal and military. There is an aching going on. And I believe that ultimately salvation, it's about several things, but today I wanna to just touch on four of them. And the first one is that salvation is actually about love. I'd be curious to know where, if, if someone were asked, if you're a Christian or maybe, you, or maybe you're familiar enough with Christianity, I'd be curious to know where a person would start if you were to answer the question about what the gospel is. The gospel means the good news. The, the good news means the message of salvation or what it means to, to be saved. Where would you actually start? And I think that many people would start with the fact that we've sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. That's the scripture in the book of Romans. But I wanna encourage you to actually go a little bit further back. Yeah, yeah, well, Adam and Eve, they sinned, right? Yeah, they did, but can we go further back? Before there was sin, there was a relationship with God. Salvation, the gospel, the good news, it starts with love. 
the fact that you are loved. I am loved before anything else. It all began with love. And by the way, even after Adam and Eve made choices that, that, that robbed them of the life that God was trying to give them, even then, God went looking for them. They didn't go looking for God. So again, you might be surprised, depending on where you are in your journey, you might think, well, I'm not looking for God, and, then, and you might find that one day something, something happens and you realize actually God has been reaching out to you. It starts with love. It doesn't start with what a bad person you are and what a bad person I am. It starts with the fact that you are loved, valued, treasured by God. Jesus literally hung on a cross and died a gruesome death because of his love for us, including the people that were doing it to him. So you think, well, you know, like, you don't know what I've done. Yeah, yeah, okay, but the, the people, the people that were killing him. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. It starts with love. You are wanted. There's a place for you to belong. You are approved of. You matter. And someone cares about your future. I think we live in a society and a culture, where, wherever you are in the world, because this isn't a race-related culture, this isn't a nationality-related culture, this is a human nature culture that we are conditioned towards conditional love. We feel more loved when we are more pleasing, when we are more approving of, right? And the other extreme in some cases is that you feel like, okay, so maybe it's not conditional, but I don't feel like anything I do Anything I do matters to the people around me. And so there's this apathy. I'll never forget, years ago, a friend of mine who's a teacher at a, at a really expensive private school telling me how, I mean, just some of the stuff that the families get up to, that the kids get up to, et cetera, but, but how when, when they are in trouble, if there's a real problem with, with one of the teenagers, one of the students, they don't go to the teacher who's the most fun and the most, you know, who just allows anything to happen. They go to the strictest teacher because, because they feel a, a level of security as though, okay, maybe they actually care about me. Maybe they actually care about my, my future. And so we can have these two extremes where either we're always trying to prove ourselves and, and earn love, or, or, or you kind of grow up in this environment where it does, just doesn't seem like anyone that should care cares, whatever you do. You can ruin your life. So what? And that's not love. No, no. You are loved. The challenge for us is that it's very hard for just the knowledge of love, or just to hear these words. It's impossible for that alone to change our lives. It's actually something that we have to experience. Ephesians 3, verse 18, there's a passage in the New Testament that says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is for you. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. My prayer is that you would experience the love of God. That you would sense the smile of heaven, that you would, that you would sense, because it is beyond the rational, it's beyond to some extent the scientific, that you, that you would experience the loving gaze of your heavenly Father before you get your act together before you tick all the right boxes, that you would know that you are loved. So here's a question that I have for you. Four quick points, four quick questions. Is there anything stopping you from allowing God to love you more? Is there anything that is stopping you? So, no, so, so 
Here's the irony. God can't love you more. God can't love you less. He, he loves you. He, he cannot love you less. He cannot love you more. But I think that we can do stuff to, to influence how much we're willing to receive. Is there anything stopping you from receiving or allowing God to love you more? And maybe, just maybe, there's a step that you need to take. You just say, God, I mean, I kind of, I want to believe this. I don't think I do, but I want to, want to. Help me to, if you're real, if you do love me, help me to experience your love. And again, let me encourage you. Trust is earned and developed over time. Don't wait until you trust God perfectly or until you think you have this perfect faith. First of all, that's never gonna happen. But secondly, how else do you build trust? How else, how else does, is someone given the opportunity to earn your trust unless you give them a chance to earn your trust? It's kind of like reading the Bible. Don't wait until you're convinced that the Bible is the word of God before you read the Bible. No, you read the Bible and then actually try and put into practice the, the, the truths in there in order to see that, okay, maybe this is the divine inspired word of God. So what is salvation? What does it mean to be saved, to have a relation? Why, why does Easter matter? Number one, we are loved. Number two, it is all about forgiveness and freedom. Forgiveness and freedom. The word salvation is translated from, from a word in Greek in the New Testament that, that means to be freed, to be rescued, to be redeemed, to be, to be saved. It is about forgiveness and freedom. We are offered forgiveness and freedom and we are invited towards forgiveness and freedom. Here's the crazy part. It is a gift, okay? Forgiveness and freedom is offered to us as a gift. It is free, but it was not cheap. And again, if we water down what it cost, we will really struggle to appreciate the value of this freedom that has been offered to us. That's why I love the statement by, by Chris Hodges, one of my favorite pastors. Um, he says that, that truth without grace is mean, Grace without truth is meaningless, but grace and truth is medicine. So when we realize the truth that, that we were lost, dead in our sins, that there's nothing that we can do to earn that, that, that then we'll be able to appreciate the incredible, generous, gracious, merciful gift that God gave to us as Jesus laid his life down in our place. See, here's the reality. Because you might think, well, then why did he have to do that? Like, if he loves us, why couldn't, he just, why, why couldn't everything just be fine? You see, the justice of God, and this is the thing, everything in us wants justice, right? I mean, not when it's us involved, but when it's other people involved, right? We want justice. On the roads, we want justice. When it comes to crime, we want justice. When it comes to, you know, political corruption, we want justice. But the, rea the reality is that every single injustice does require a payment. Every sin requires a payment. That's why, by the way, if, you're, if someone that you're in relationship with offends you, whether it's a colleague, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, whether it's someone at church that didn't smile sufficiently, the, anytime someone offends you, someone has to pay. Either we're gonna make the offender pay by, by trying to make them feel really bad, by reminding them of it, by, by, by using it, you know, kind of letting it hang over their heads for a long time, or we pay where we choose to absorb 
the hurt, absorb the, I don't mean like in an unhealthy psychological way, just relax. I, I just mean where we choose to forgive, to, to let it go, to, to not try and make the person pay off their debt. All sin demands payment. So the justice of God means that, that sin had to be paid for. The grace and mercy of God meant that Jesus was willing to pay that price on our behalf. By the way, mercy means to not get the bad that I do deserve. So if I deserve to be punished and someone's merciful, okay, okay, I'm not gonna suffer the consequences that I deserve. Grace is to be given more than you deserve. It's a kindness, it's, there's a giftedness to it that you don't, guys, that's what forgiveness and freedom is all about. Forgiveness is about us having that debt paid, but freedom, again, we're not just saved from having to pay the price. No, we are set free to a life, towards a destiny, towards a purpose. Some of you might be familiar with the, the story, I mean, it's a fairly well-known story of the Israelites being held captive in Egypt for many, many years until the point that, until the stage of millions of Israelites being held and, and treated brutally as slaves in the nation of Egypt. This is when Moses came onto the scene and God used Moses, Moses to kind of deliver them out of Egypt. But, but what is so sobering about the story is that it was one thing for God to get the Israelites out of slavery. It was a whole nother story getting slavery out of the Israelites. That poverty mentality, that, that victim mentality, that, that slave mentality, that same level of fear, it took years and years and years to get them to actually think like sons and daughters instead of like slaves. And this is what he invites us to. He invites us to not only forgiveness, but to freedom. When Jesus said in John 19, 30, it's recorded, on the cross, the last words that came out of Jesus' mouth on the cross were, it is finished. That, that means that our debt was paid in full. We owed a debt. In fact, in fact, if you go back and take a look at the book of uh, Colossians 2, verse 14 and 15, it says, this is referring to the death and resurrection of Jesus. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. This, is, this was referring to a practice 2,000 years ago where if you, if you owed a debt, you didn't just get you know, a piece of post, I mean, for those of you that still get post, but, but you, you didn't get an email saying you owe us money, all right? Something would be nailed to the door of your, like your front door, and people would have lived very close to one another with, with, with a clear record of this debt that you owed that you were not paying. Like, like there was shame attached. Shame isn't new, everybody. Shame is old. And what this is referring to is Jesus coming and, and scratching that out and saying, paid in full. Someone else has paid it on our behalf. That is what it is to be forgiven and to be free. So here's the question. Is there anything you are trying to add to the price that Jesus paid? Because in my experience, there are many of us that struggle to accept that the cross was enough. And so we try and add something to that grace. We try and add something to that free gift. Okay, it's the cross, and if I grovel long enough, if I fast long enough. Now, fasting is important, but not as a way of paying off a debt or manipulating God. That's, that, that's to actually remove distractions so that I can actually focus on God better and, and enjoy that 
security and confidence and love and, and identity more? Are you trying to add anything to the price that Jesus paid? Now, I'm not talking about doing good. I'm talking about the motive behind doing good. I'm not talking about sorting out destructive patterns in your life. I'm talking about the motive behind it. Because we do respond to the grace of Jesus, to the gift of Jesus. But we cannot earn that love. So we are loved, we are forgiven and freed. Number three, healing and wholeness. Another, another English translation of the word salvation, it's not just to be freed, it's also to be healed. In fact, that same original Greek word in the New Testament is used interchangeably between when someone is, is saved and rescued, but also when someone is healed. And, and this is when I say that I think sometimes even, even Christians, like genuine Christians, can so often settle for so much less because it's not just about being set free. It's not just about, do I get to spend eternity with God? No, no. We, it is so much more. He offers us he, increased healing and wholeness in this life. We all have yesterdays that we have to deal with. All of us have got different things that have, that have affected our identity and our way of thinking, our, our way of turning up in the world. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. We all have these filters that we have to allow God to keep, to keep cleaning, to keep, to keep removing anything that's unhealthy so that we can actually be increasingly whole and healthy. That's when I think you get to make a real difference in your family, at work, at school, in the community. When, when you are healed, when you are secure, when there is a healthy identity in God. But also, there is, there is this idea, what, what I just spoke about in terms of freedom and forgiveness, that means that spiritually, the bondage is broken. Remember the song? So, so yes, you may, you may have struggled with an addiction, and you may still struggle with an addiction the next day, but the one actually has something spiritual attached to it, whereas the other one is now allowing our minds and our bodies and our emotions to catch up to what has happened spiritually. Spiritually, you've been set free. I'm no longer completely helpless. I'm no longer a victim. No, no, with God, he's, he actually offers me the power to be healed in my destructive patterns, in my destructive habits, in, in the way that, that, that I'm so sensitive and thin-skinned and, and, and reactive and, and lose my temper and, 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 and I'm always you know, quick to fight back. No, no, it's, I'm not bound anymore. That's why the worst thing you should ever say is, well, that's just who I am. You do you, boo. No, 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 no. Like, which version of you? No, the one Jesus died for because actually he wants you to be healthier and more whole. We are invited towards healing and wholeness. What, here's the question, what is God inviting you to let go of in order to grow in healing and wholeness? That might sound like a strange question and you might have to reflect on that for quite a while. But there could be a part of your past that, that, that you're not happy about but you don't actually wanna let go of that as your identity. You may have grown up in a dysfunctional, broken home, and, and you're, not, you're not grateful for that, but you don't wanna let that go and, and, and move on to where you, I don't mean move on like forget about it or deny it, I mean to where you say, okay, that happened, that's real. So you don't deny it, but, but you don't allow that to keep defining your future. 
If you had a, if you had a dysfunctional father and he had a dysfunctional father, and he had, okay, that, we, we can't deny that, but let's not allow that to define me into being a dysfunctional father. What is God inviting you to let go of? This could be material. I mean, there's this incredible story, like a very sad story if you, if you read it carefully, where Jesus actually comes into contact with, well, some Bibles have the heading, the rich young ruler. He, he was obviously a very successful young man. He was a yuppie, okay? Yuppies were in the, okay, some of you don't even know what a yuppie. Anyway, he, he was a successful young, now most young, most successful, successful people seem to be young. Anyway, he was a young, successful guy, but not just financially. Um, he seemed to be a very moral person. He asked Jesus, what do I have to do to be saved? He says, well, obey the commandments. He's like, done, I've got this. But, but, but by the way, I don't even think he was being arrogant. I think he was probably a really genuinely good person. Now don't misread the story because Jesus wasn't creating a new standard for everybody. This was unique to this young man because he knew his heart and he said to him, okay, I mean, if that's what you think, go and sell all your possessions Give it to the poor and follow me. And the Bible says that he turned around really saddened, really downcast, and walked away because that was the thing that was in his heart. And by the way, we're all looking to something for salvation. Don't think this is a religious issue. No, no, no. We are all looking for salvation. We are all looking for something to satisfy us, to bring me peace, to give me security for the future, to make me feel good enough, to make me feel like I belong, like, like I'm wanted. And, and, and there are a lot of things that are good if they're not in the center. There are a lot of things that are great. You can, man, chase adventures, enjoy it while you can, as long as it's not the ultimate thing. But if chasing the next adrenaline rush is, is the central chase of your life, well then that's become your God, your small G God, your idol. That's what you're looking to for salvation. What is God inviting you to let go of in order to grow in healing and wholeness? Just on a side note, C.S. Lewis, many years ago, put it this way. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And I tend to think that it takes most of us, and I'm including myself in this, most of us, maybe most of our lives, to realize that some of those deepest longings and aches cannot be satisfied by the things that this world offers. Lastly, and the worship team can come on up, is salvation offers leadership. We are loved, we are forgiven and freed, we are invited towards healing and wholeness, but also salvation offers leadership. Or if I were to really summarize it, putting it a different way. I think that everything about a relationship with God can be summed up in two words, forgiven and following. The one half is that I receive that forgiveness. The other half is that I'm actually choosing to follow Him. Forgiveness is the one side of the coin. That's what I'm saved from. Following, that's the other side of the coin. That's what I'm saved to. That's what I'm invited towards, towards God's purpose, towards, towards God's destiny. Ephesians 2 verse eight to 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Like, like it is abundantly clear that salvation, 
is free. Four, we are God's masterpiece or work of art is what some versions say. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He has a plan. There are good things that he has planned for us. God actually has a plan and a purpose for our lives. By the way, next Sunday, we are starting a series, as Tammy mentioned, that's all about the purposes of life. What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? How do we, to the best of our ability, even though we might never find that full satisfaction this side of eternity, how do we actually go about pursuing the purposes of God for our lives? He has planned good things that he wants us to walk in. Now here's what's interesting. And this might be surprising to some of us. It's not forced. It's not forced. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'd love it if God just forced me to do the right thing. No, no, it's invited. He doesn't dominate us. He doesn't manipulate us. And by the way, he doesn't possess you. That's from the other side. No, no. We are invited to follow his way of life. A way that actually leads to life. So here's the final question. Will you follow Jesus? Will you follow Jesus? Now you may not be sure of what all that, that entails. For those of you that have been following him for a while, hopefully you have a sense of what the next right thing is to do. For those of you that might be here that are exploring Christianity and what it means to have a relationship with God, all I wanna encourage you to do in terms of the next step in following Jesus is to at least just speak to someone, maybe go to the connect area after the service and just say, hey, I'd like to find out a little bit more about some practical next steps to following Jesus. And what you're gonna find is we're gonna give you a New Testament, a free New Testament part of the Bible there's a little page in there that simply advises and suggests some ways to start reading the Bible again. Don't wait until you're convinced that the Bible is the Word of God before you start reading the Bible. No, no, read the Bible and ask God if He's real to actually allow this to come alive to you. How else can you start following Jesus when you don't know how to find what you're looking for? Well, I would encourage you to try praying. Yeah, well, I'm not sure if I even know who I'm praying to. That's okay. Just pray. Yeah, well, I don't know how to pray. Do you know how to talk? Just talk. I honestly think that God is so much more encouraged by people that are raw and real than by those that are polished and primed and can fit into some neat little package. No, no, he just, guys, read the Psalms. 150 Psalms are recorded in scripture and they are incredibly raw and real. Like uh, some of them are even offensive. God, punch him in the mouth, take out all his teeth. What? How's that in the Bible? No, don't, that, that doesn't give you permission to go and knock people's teeth out. No, no, that, that's just recording very real raw emotions. Allow your emotions to be stepping stones, not stumbling blocks. And I can't encourage you enough to actually commit to a church. Yeah, but I'm not sure. About, no, no, just commit. Give yourself a period of time. Just, just keep coming, just keep listening, keep asking questions. And if people can't answer your questions, be okay with that. But let's be intentional about trying to position ourselves to actually follow Jesus. 
Father, I thank you so much that what we get to celebrate on Easter Sunday is the most incredible act of love. It is so humbling to imagine, to think that we are loved. Before we loved you, before we wanted you, before we turned to you, before we were interested in you, you loved us. You love us. Thank you for your love. Help us to allow you to love us more. Help us to receive your love. Thank you so much that you offered to us forgiveness and freedom. Please, would you help us to accept this? Help us not to try and add anything to the cross. Help us not to try and add anything to what Jesus has done. And would you help us to be patient and to persevere as we journey with you, as we make mistakes, as we get back up, as we talk to people, as we, as we work through weak answers and try and find the next step, as we grow in increasing healing and wholeness. And most importantly, would you help us to simply follow you, help us to respond to you, help us to allow you to lead us. And God, for people that are, that are here today or watching online that are that are actually wanting to take that step, would you simply help them to say yes to you? To say yes to that love, yes to forgiveness and freedom, yes to healing and wholeness, and yes to following you. And help them to do the next right thing that they know to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.